0: This week on Dig Me Out, anyone, I
1: don't know if
0: for right.
1: with your hosts, Jason Ziash. And tim
0: Manucci. jay we're back again with another episode thanks to our dig me out union on patreon you can help us make the next episode happen by joining us at jay what's that website
1: <laughs> come on when are you gonna remember this dmo Union.com.
0: No, I do that to throw it to you, so like, you, oh. I'm not the only one talking at the beginning. This is our. I'm, I didn't realize this is our new routine. Okay. This is a routine we're doing here. <laughs> like, who's on first, what's on second? Right. I got it. That's, I got it. This is our Abbott on Costello. Speaking of Dig Me Out and Patreon, Jay, we have a new patron. Let's meet Heath Bryan. Join us at the $2 level. Welcome, Heath. Woo. Make sure you get in there and start commenting on our episodes and get... Some votes in on those polls and all that kind of fun stuff. Speaking of polls, Jay.
1: Cause a ruckus.
0: Yeah. This episode is a poll episode. Specifically, it's our episode or our poll from April where we had eight selections chosen or submitted by listeners through our Dig Me Out website. They went into the hopper. They came out the hopper. We put him into a poll. The poll gave us a result. That's how it works. And the winner.
1: It's magical.
0: Drumroll, please. That's your QJ. There you go. Thank you. The Promise Rings Nothing Feels Good. The 1997 album produced by Jay Robbins. Released on Jade Tree. Ah, the, the era of. Indie labels, putting out all sorts of interesting records. Jade Tree and other ones. <laughs> yes, uh, you the know old, the Golden Era. Golden Era. Vagrant. That would be another one. Uh, Parasol. That was one. Now they're coming back to me. I'm. They're coming back to me now. Anyway. So this was in our poll thanks to, I believe it was Justin Wexler. Is that correct, Jay? Do you remember if that was – I think it was Justin because Justin actually in the comments discussed he might actually vote for a different record than the one he suggested because he was a fan of another record that was in the poll. Right. Uh, What were all those options and how did that poll work out? I think it was –
1: We had a good mix here of – Yeah. Some commercial stuff and some really obscure stuff. Um, we had um, – see, the top vote-getters after this were Molly Maguire. The album is Lime. Yep. And Massive Attack, which is a pretty well-known record, Mezzanine. Those both had eight votes. Um, it's tied for second. And then we had Sam I Am Clumsy with six votes. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sorry. Skin Yard. Actually, no. Take that back. Skinyard came in second um papa vegas which yep. there was a lot of comments for papa vegas only four votes yep again a lot of uh chatter not much action uh black lab which is a band i remember um your body above me had a couple votes and uh what I missing there crayon which is a band i've never heard of uh, got a single vote
0: let's talk about the comments from this episode jay or from this uh from this poll because there were there were Quite a bit. I don't think we can get to every single one in detail. But once again, there were a lot of votes not for this. Or not or not, not a lot of votes. Obviously, there were a lot of votes for this record. But not all the comments. Uh, like Mike Bond said, I was about to vote for Promise Ring. But the poll was closed. Okay. Ryan Mac- McIntyre said, got to do Massive Attack. Okay. Patrick Testa said, I'm voting for Skin Yard. Mm-hmm. Johnny Hooper the promise ring there you go and he said not really a fan of the so-called emo genre aside from my devoted worship of sunny day real estate but nothing feels good is a very good record i would say their next record very emergency was superior to this but all in all a very good exercise in power pop emo okay.
1: and Stephen is Miz- mizusny Mizusni- what's his last name mizinski sorry steven um <laughs> he agreed very emergency is superior to this record
0: Matthew Barnes said Molly Maguire for the win now Keith Sawyer said must go with the promise ring in iconic emo record that skillfully skates the line between power pop and punk and sets up Jimmy Eat World to capitalize on the formula in the next decade I wonder if someone unfamiliar with the promise ring would find it cliche today but to me it sounds just as energetic energetically urgent as the day it was released and Scott Witt went with Skinyard. Let's see what else. Uh, well, Steve Muszynski said, this is a difficult difficult poll. He went with Mezzanine by Massive Attack. And James Stelter said, strongly consider that Molly Maguire record for my anniversary pick. I hope so, he does, because I actually just got that on CD. And I think that would be a fun record to talk about. I'd never listened to it before.
1: Yeah, that was always on my to do
0: list. I never got to it. The connection to Ken Andrews has always been the intriguing part for me. Yep. Yep. Um, Frank Garcia Hell says Black Lab was interesting. I remember them. I I remember seeing them open up Our Lady Peace in the 90s and liking it a lot more live than recorded. Uh, Alex Gibson said Skinyard, band of great drummers, Matt Cameron and Barrett Martin. That's true. And then, um, Whitney Beeler said Papa Vegas and Andy and Florida said, that was my choice too. (laughs) So once again, we're confounded by the comments because almost nobody talked about promise ring, but lots of people voted for them. So Jay, had you listened to the promise ring before we did this episode? I mean, obviously you listened to before this episode. I'm saying previously.
1: (laughs) No, I've never heard the record, Tim. I don't know. Let's just, we're going to wing it. Um, <laughs> we should do an yeah, episode like yeah. that. I mean, they were one of those bands where like, uh, I think I felt a pressure to, to know about. <laughs> um, they had a, quite a bit of, they're, they're a band that other bands always talked about. Um, mm-hmm. So yes, yeah, so at some point I remember at least listening to this once or twice um, and maybe the uh, very emergency as well. Um, but no, I didn't know that.
0: I didn't know it well. Uh, same thing. Cause I have all the MP3s for all the records and I know I listened to them at least once at some point, but I don't, I didn't have a strong recollection when I went back to do this review of what they sounded like, uh, and what they, how they fit into the, to the emo genre. So just so everyone's aware, uh, the band, so this album was recorded with Jay Robbins, uh, in june of 1997 and then it was released in october of 1997 on jade tree the lineup is davy von bolin on vocals and guitar jason i'm gonna mess up this last name it's a nu- uh, ms
1: ms ms, ms.
0: <laughs> Nuka now on guitar scott beshta on bass guitar and dan didier on drums now this is the last album that scott besta plays on as bass player. They had a new bass player for very emergency. And, um, the band themselves were from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Um, previous to this, Davey von Bolin was in the band cap and jazz, which is one of those like really revered 1990s, like indie bands that I've never gotten into yeah so again if somebody wanted to suggest that it'd be a good blind spot for us to fill in um i feel like i started getting i started knowing about this band around the time of either very emergency or uh maybe the one after that what was it um wood slash water
1: extreme extremely very emergency
0: yeah well you know do you i don't know if you read anything about the band but there's a reason. No, no,
1: that's your job.
0: Okay, well there, there's a reason why it's called that. <laughs> well, I would hope. Um, well, I don't know if I think it's tied to that. Uh, the band was in an, a van accident, and um, Dave von, Bolin, like uh, some of them were hurt. Davey von Bolin ended up having a brain tumor that had to be removed. I don't think I don't think it was obviously it wasn't caused by the accident. But I don't know if they discovered it because of the accident, like because of X-rays and whatnot. But mm-hmm. he had have a brain tumor and like multiple surgeries, so that might tie into the album title. I don't know if that works out in the timeline of uh, you know when all the albums come out and everything like that. But it was it was after this album came out that they had the accident. So let's get into it. Let's talk let's about. It the 1997 album nothing feels good by the promise ring jay tell me one thing you liked about this record
1: well they definitely have um i think uh their own take on i guess emo um or at least you know uptempo alternative post-hardcore rock and roll um i like the you know kind of the commitment to at times pretty simple phrases and lines and using those as to create hooks um i like some of the guitar work They're, they use, they do an interesting almost style where the two guitars um sometimes the bass does this too where they'll they'll do like picking parts that like follow each other in a weird way like the one guitar will play it and the second guitar will play it just a little bit after and sometimes they do it with the bass too um i found that Pretty unique. I hadn't really heard anybody play guitar like that, uh, at least two guitars before. Um, you know, from a drum and bass standpoint, you know, you get some of that technical, uh, dynamic drumming that you hear, you know, with with some of the bands that are similar to them um, that I appreciate. And enjoy. Um, I think this is another case where the bass player and the bass parts might be the unsung hero of the, of the album in terms of holding things down. Mm-hmm bring in some melody um, so you know I think there's a lot here to like they're, they're also you know pretty sharp songs in terms of time. Uh, this record's well under 40 minutes and a lot of the material is under three minutes so it's pretty brief in terms of uh, you know they get they get to the point and move on. Um, yeah just I appreciate that. So there's some craft there you know between the playing and just the the way that they're putting the songs together. Um, they're not necessarily conventional from a pop song structure, at least I didn't think so. Um, but, uh, they're definitely, um, you know, it may be in that, um, guided by voices kind of spirit where it, they're not that short, but they're at least, there's a, there's an idea there and they get to the idea and, and, and kind of get through it and wrap it up. They don't prolong uh, with extended m- instrumental parts or you know right. things like that, so they kind of know what they're what they're trying to do. On that. There's an idea for sure on a concept they stick to. So I mean, those are some of the things that that I liked about the record. What about you?
0: Well, I'm going to agree with you on a number of points. One is I think that the bass player really adds a ton to this record and the rhythm section in general. I don't know what the drummer's doing all the time. I know that I'm hearing things. He's doing enough per song, even though the songs are fairly simple in terms of, like, it'll just be, like, a verse and a chorus and that's it. There's, I mean, there's not even, like, a lot of bridges to this record. It's just, like, verse and a chorus or maybe, like, a verse and a pre-chorus and a chorus or a, a, a quiet part, loud part. But he is changing the way he, that he's playing those slightly and throwing in little drummery things that...
1: Drummery things
0: i don't know how else to describe but they're like <laughs> yeah, yeah you know there there's just little accents and i don't know if they're like what's going on exactly but i can hear the slight variation between like the first time they do a, a verse part and the second time where he's just like hitting something just a little bit different and the bass player is just doing a lot of really cool things like on perfect lines is a good example where he keeps doing these like cool descending bass runs throughout different parts of the song. And he's kind of carrying a lot of that song melodically to it's not in the same way that like Peter hook does with new order where he does those like higher bass riffs that almost act like a lead. It's just that the, the guitars let the songs breathe at certain points and he carries the part. stuff like on is this thing on it's a very simple song structure wise he changes his part around as the song builds to like he gets to the point at the end where he's like playing bass chords so it really gets heavier and it adds a, a dimension of of um heft to the end of that song and when i say like simple like this was one of the few times where I started googling lyrics cuz I was like how much is he actually singing versus and how, how much how many lyrics are there to these songs and it is crazy like the first I want to say 10 songs almost all those songs maybe one is is n- not in this ballpark have only like five lines and they yeah. just get repeated over and over again but then like the last two songs have more lyrics than the first 10 songs combined. Yep. It's crazy. I've yeah, never seen a, a record structured like that before. It's a really interesting and weird and unique approach. And you're right. He's making like hooks out of very odd structures that I would not, on their face, think of them as being very catchy, but they bore into you. Yep. as you listen to this record over and over again and what's interesting is I was just brought up in the comments but then you know having the Jay Robbins connection as well I can hear that Jimmy Eat World connection in terms of the songs and in terms of the vocals but I can hear where Jimmy Eat World took it with Clarity and then uh, you know after with, with Bleed American slash self-titled and went in a very poppy radio friendly direction and i can also hear it with braid i can hear it with the you know their record that they do with J robbins i feel like they got a different guitar tone i don't feel like this guitar tone is quite as thick as as what braid got yep um but it works but it's this is a case where as soon as this started i go this sounds like this sounds like late 90s emo yeah well the first song for sure yeah yeah um but it's and it's not a knock it's just I heard those guitar tones I know those guitar tones yeah and I'm like oh I know what this is the uniqueness of this record is what works for me in that you don't know how, where anything is going in terms of there is no traditional structures, even though these are very poppy songs because he's doing such a unique job with the lyrics of repeating things and changing the phrasing to fit different parts, even though he's singing the same thing. Like I think there's like one song that only is like three sentences. There's like three lines to that song, but he rearranges them and like changes how he sings them. And it makes the song unique in ways that i had not anticipated so i found that all real interesting
1: yeah i'm with you i like uh i like when they're like is this thing on right i think that's a very grabs you right away i think it's a very specific sound and approach yep that works well i would like to hear more material like that so like when they are more restrained so like pink chimneys for example where the guitars are a bit more muted or jangly um the vocal is sharp um and they mix in a little bit keyboard there um, or some weird sounds and that feels um like a good space as well i mean that tends to be the material I, i i gravitate to on the record um to start to pivot into what i don't like i don't think there's enough of that material for me i'm not a huge fan of the vocal i think to kind of get jumped to the what a what the thing i don't like the most um at times he sounds like jay robbins to me um which is good but i don't think he's as good as jay robbins vocally other times he sounds like um who's the guy from hum matt talbot yeah like i think raspberry rush he sounds like matt talbot but he doesn't have the beefy wall of guitars to make that vocal approach, you know, consistently work. he goes to a higher part and he has no business doing that it's just croaky and Mm -hmm. um so i i don't find the vocal consistently compelling i think on like something like is this thing on it's it works fine like he finds that hook and he just keeps driving it and it's a quirky song structure and
0: um well it's a it's he doesn't have to sing as much yeah, it's yeah. more just spitting it out, more staccato. Yep.
1: Yeah. Um, and I th- and I and I struggled quite a bit with how the guitars when they're loud and the vocal work together. Um, meaning they don't sometimes. Right. Now, I did I did not listen to the uh, remastered version. Um, I just discovered that that exists. I was listening to the um, original uh, version, on remastered I found the mix to be. Um, difficult at times between the guitars and the vocals like things just were kind of muddy and competing with each other yeah it's just overall not consistent from that standpoint so yeah i mean i'm just not i'm not a fan of the vocals on this um where are you at
0: i agree with you this is where like when you define something as emo like this vocal style because it is a style is where i start to like not love it and it it's like oh i like a song or two but it's not as much something that i want to dig into a whole record um it's just it's just a tone thing it's just where he's singing and how he's delivering and maybe it's that it's because it's more it's nasal more nasally yeah and less guttural and i don't mean like guttural like you know Phil Anselmo or something like that. I'm just talking yeah. about like where I hear the vocal is more in his, in his head than in his, yes you know, stomach. So it just, it, that just doesn't resonate with me as well as a listener. And I agree with you. I, I've, and I think I'm listening to the same original mix as well, based on the age of my MP3s. Um, and they're not low bit rate MP3s. They're, they're, they're good bit rate. Um, but, <laughs> the mix isn't great, which is weird to say with the J Robbins, you know, production, because I generally like what he does. Um, and I would like to listen to the next two records to see how it evolves, to see if, if the guitars sound a little better. Cause at times they're just like harsh to me. Yep. And I know that there was a certain attitude with regards to, indie rock at that time about using you know you dial down the distortion a little bit you know what guitar through certain amp is going to give you like a, a more chimier tone um i don't think there's a lot of guys playing like less pauls through marshalls at this yeah. point so you're not getting like a good mid-range on some of the sounds it's it's just it's a more little... like a, a fender amp sound yeah te- you know telecasters through fender amps Which I love that for certain songs and certain sounds, but sometimes it just gets a little brittle and, and, like you said, muddy.
1: It's not overly musical at times, and it's not overly aggressive. You're in this middle ground of, like, if you're going to be kind of noisy and aggressive, then be noisy and aggressive. It just sounds like they're... Like trying to be, you know, a little bit hooky and and melodic, but it's not musical because of the way the guitars sound and just the vocal approach or abilities don't quite come together. So it's just a little grating and mumble mouthy.
0: Right. (laughs) Like, here's the problem with this record. I feel like I don't even know if I can truly like comprehend this record as a 44 year old person (laughs) you know what i mean like this record feels very much like i need to see this band in a basement or you know being 22 years old or 20 and and seeing them live in a cramped space and just tearing it up i don't even i don't even know that i can put myself in the right headspace of when this came out And maybe that stamps it even more than I realize as far as it being a 90s, late 90s album. But it did occur to me like how specific like the age group was for when this record came out and who was listening to it. Not that I'm going to get into like the social, you know, cultural stuff that you know, will anger Tom Mullen regards to what Emo was and (laughs) it wasn't a bunch of sad kids and it wasn't it wasn't that. You can read Eric Grubb's book and and learn about all the different bands and and where they play into all this. But there is a part of me that's like I can't get this now in the same way that like someone listening to Grunge isn't gonna really kind of get this isn't gonna get understand Pearl Jams 10 In the same way that like someone Or Nirvana's Nevermind was listening to it As an 18 year old in 1991 Like maybe that's just not Possible I don't know I'd like to think that music is timeless And it transcends that and maybe there's a lack Of timelessness with this That I'm getting Like I'm leaning on
1: Yeah I feel like you know seeing the band live Being part of the scene Taking in the entire environment is part of Probably what um, makes this record more enjoyable or uh, and, and gives it its place um because in hindsight it doesn't to me it doesn't stand out in any particular way from you know a lot of other bands that frankly i think I think made much better records um so
0: I think he's i think he's a very solid lyricist in putting together interesting lines like the whole which song is it that has? that i wanted to bring up
1: lyrically jesus was a fisherman
0: no um okay good <laughs> i found that i found that song lyrically grating by the end oh it's for, nothing feels good Kay. so I, I it took me a couple of times to realize like what was going on with that song it says i don't know east texas from louisiana and i don't know alabama or well, where atlanta lies where atlanta is tonight and in Indianapolis summers in parks and recreation pools, and I was like, "Well, what is this? Is this their Huey Lewis in the news? Like right. name in all the Nate cities?" Dropping. And then I, what I realized is he's talking about people. You know, I don't know where Atlanta is tonight. I don't know. And Indianapolis summers in parks and in Indian recreation pools. He's talking about people that I, I, I my interpretation is he's talking about people in those cities that he has met, and he doesn't know where these friends are. And it's this idea of like, you know, he says, and God, I, I don't know God, and I don't know anyone, and I don't know if anything will be all right. It's sort of like that early 20s, like, I'm sort of becoming an adult now, and I don't really know how to handle it. Like, I'm not going to be in college anymore. I've got to deal with the real world. And
1: let me ask you, uh, so, I mean, I know some of these bands. I like some of this music. Uh huh. This felt like, um, so, lyrically, some of the things I picked up on, it sounded like, maybe kids that grew up like super Christian kids that were kind of coming to terms with the fact that they weren't that anymore. Does that, did you hear that? And then is that like one of the subtexts of that, of the emo scene?
0: It, it could be. I mean, I I have no idea because I was never okay. part of that scene. Yeah. So I, I can't it, put well, any, but I, I, mean, I mean, if I mean, there was a case for it, it would be that song.
1: Okay well I mean just speak from that point is that where you were picking up from the record or or from that song or other aspects of the record
0: actually a lot of this record to me sounded like someone dealing with the transition from like college age to adulthood from adolescence Mm -hmm. to adulthood and just trying to figure out like you know in that in that space when you're in that headspace, like what am I doing what's going on um cuz he says in that song I don't know I, go, I don't go to college anymore I don't know God and I don't know anyone and I don't know if anything will be at all at all will be all right so I just I think it's just like that fear like you're excited to be quote unquote an adult and be free but at the same time it's terrifying because there's no safety net anymore at least for most people I mean some people I guess can go back home and live with their parents but I can understand sure. that, you know.
1: I just kept getting that vibe of like, were these these like former like church kids that are now it coming could, to terms with like living in the real world.
0: It could be. I mean, that could be it in, in entirely. To me, this this to me a lot of it was a coming of age record of yeah. growing up. So, which gotcha. I don't ever I don't usually get that deep into a record on a week's you know yeah. notice. But I was so intrigued by the lyrics, the way that they were structured, that I ended up reading a lot of them.
1: Yeah. So. And there's so few. I mean, it, in a way, it kind of pulls you in, right? Because there's not that much to analyze. So every word you're hearing, right? Um, you're taking note. Because sometimes they're also repeated. So a lot. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I will also say that I, I think this seems like a record that um, uh, with repeated listen would really take a grip on you. You know, really. Yeah you would appreciate more and more i think there's probably a lot of subtlety here vocally as well that um and, and melodically with the guitars that take a little bit to acclimate to and um, get familiar with and then they really probably take hold um so i, I could very well understand you know in, in a different era where you're not you know splitting your attention across 10 th- billion things like we do now um, you know, and this was a record that you got and your friends were into it and you really gave it some time. I could, I, I definitely see how it could take root.
0: Yeah. I will say though, and people said in the comments, very emergency is their favorite or what have you. I think in terms of what we have reviewed in terms of emo records, which would be like clarity uh, Frame and canvas by Braid are, are like I guess the two main ones. Um, I I feel like those are like head and shoulders above this record in terms of production, yes. Uh, songwriting, yes. Guitar, you know, yes. Sounds, Dynamics. Dynamics. musicianship, musicianship. Like like this vocals. is just like. And maybe they put it together on very emergency and that's why people are saying that's their that's the record to check out. So like this is clearly there, like they're on that like precipice, but just doesn't hit all those same highs for me as those two records did. And
1: you hit you hit it, like that's what this show's about. Like we go back and we look we try when we can to look objectively at records um with fresh ears as much as we possibly can and say okay now how does this hold up now where's it at for us and i this feels um pretty contextual to the late 90s in a particular scene to yeah
0: me. yeah so were the album better ep or decent single
1: i'm at an ep I, I struggled with this record quite a bit uh getting into it i found it to be difficult is This Thing On started off very promising. I thought, okay, if this is the whole record, I'm probably going to be into this. Um, I, I didn't feel like that was consistent. It's up and down from there in terms of what what they're doing. I thought uh, Why Did We Ever Meet was pretty good. A Broken Tenor was pretty good. I like Pink Chimneys a lot. Um, I think B is for Bethlehem is, is, is good. The ending gets a little annoying to me. Um, but I'm, about, I'm on four or five songs.
0: Yeah, I'm in the same... Same ballpark as you, to be honest. Um, I liked... Is this thing on? Perfect Lines, Broken Tenor, Pink Chimneys. So probably like five songs. About about five songs. Yeah, I feel like uh, we're going to get like a strongly worded letter from Eric Groves. Yeah.
1: Well, this is the... Uh, to me, I kept thinking of Drawbreaker when I re- was listening to this. Oh, yeah. Not that they sound like them, but I just felt like this is a record that I think... I expected to really like... I've heard a lot about has a was obviously very well regarded with our listeners and I'm just not connecting with it. Yeah. uh, Probably best to explain why, but at the end of the day, um, we're going to be straight with you. And if it doesn't work for us, we're just going to try our best to explain why. And, and assume it wasn't, you know, we're not talking about Bon Jovi here. So it didn't connect with, you know, lots of other people either. So there's a reason why it, it kind of, um it landed where it did right and that's that's neither here nor there if you like it right awesome that's that's what music's about
0: so those are our thoughts on nothing feels good by the Promise ring we need to thank justin wexler for suggesting this and getting it into our poll and for everyone for voting on it at our patreon page which is at dmounion.com cg I there you know, go i do know the url I can you know it. I know it, and uh, you can join us for as little as just two dollars a month, and you get a sticker. I've just sent out some stickers recently. New batch going out every month whenever people join. It's not
1: about. It's not about the stickers. It's about the. They're pretty sweet though.
0: They're pretty sweet. Yeah,
1: I, I'm hoping to see them on some laptops, but uh, or you know some some uh, minivan windows.
0: I would like to see someone get a dig me out tattoo is what I'm waiting for. <laughs> That's when I know we have truly made it. When I see the dig me out logo across someone's you lower know, back. buttocks across Eric grubs, <laughs> lower back. <laughs> yes. That will get you a lifetime of, of, uh, I can't say that we've already given away. Gavin reads, you know, he's got the, uh, the, the lifetime locked up, uh, yeah, that's what I'm waiting for. So, also, if you like what you heard, consider leaving us some positive feedback at iTunes. I think that's it, Jay. Uh, we're done. Another poll episode is in the books. If you join us, uh, you might be able to vote in a poll right now, as this episode goes live. There's a new poll up, and Adam only for a couple more Once days. A m-
1: once a month once a month like clockwork get on over there eight, eight albums to pick from we
0: drop eight on uh on the social medias drop eight albums and then we put up a poll that's how it works every month boom yep so for jay i am tim and we are out we'll be back next week with another episode dig me out
1: thanks for listening to support the podcast visit www patreon.com forward slash dig me out and become a monthly subscriber at www.digmeoutpodcast.com where you can find links to our facebook twitter and instagram pages as well as our merchandise
0: store at zazzle.com